1: Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Palato. Draft's over. Not much has changed since the draft, but we're glad to be back anyway because it's quarantine times. So how is your recent quarantine times? I know we took a little bit of a break there, Nick, uh, but how's your last uh, few days gone in quarantine?
2: It's going, man. I mean, I'm just... Trugging along reading as much uh, information as possible trying to stay up with what's going on in the sports world and trying to enjoy everything and use it as a as a time to better myself that's what i think a lot of us are trying to do so it's uh hopefully you know we'll end soon (laughs) i'll just go with that
1: yeah i mean it's a good point it's a good time to better try to better yourself and even in little ways i think people can look at you know little things like why would i do that it's not gonna improve my day-to-day that much, but little things do improve your day-to-day. I started—this is probably day six in a row that I've done um, an intermediate yoga class every day for the last six days. It's just a small thing to do, but I'm feeling so much better mentally speaking just from doing one, you know, 45-minute session of yoga every day for the last six days. Um, And, you know, just picking up little small things like that I think can help a lot of us getting through this, especially, like, days like today where— It's New Jersey for, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to our podcast are from around the Northeast area, if not New Jersey, like me and Nick. And, you know, it's a 40 degree day out. A couple minutes ago, I look outside my window and it's hailing and it's the middle of May. And it's like, that is a big factor for, for at least for me, for like bringing me back down from a (sighs) mental state. And like, so just doing little things that I think like this, like yoga or something like that. Tonight, tonight after this pod, I'm going to do a Zoom hang with some friends from, from the hometown. We're gonna play a little board game, drink a little, and do a Zoom hang. So, just little things like that, I think I would highly suggest for everyone. What kind
2: of tequila are you drinking there, bub?
1: I'm going for, I actually haven't, I, I'm really far behind. I gotta go to the liquor store and, and figure that out, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm going, uh, I, I don't know yet. I gotta look. I gotta look.
2: So, I actually had tequila for the first time in forever because it was Cinco de Mayo. So, yep. I made myself a little margarita. And you know what? The taste is actually not as bad as I remember. It really <laughs> isn't but I'm such a whiskey guy that like I just I can't get behind having that like in my regular weekly uh, yeah. drinking habits you know what I mean it's all about the it's all about the whiskey the irish whiskey or even the american whiskey I don't really give a crap it's just that's that's my that's my poison right there I'm a big
1: believer in drink what you like and for me it's the total opposite I really enjoy tequila especially a, a lot of different kinds mezcal is my favorite but all the really all all the tequilas I'm kind of a big fan of but Whiskey, man, whew, I'm just not into it. I just don't like it. I drank it for a while because that's what everybody drinks. I think that's really the reason I drank it because so many people around me drank it, but it's just not for me. Are you, means... Vivo...
2: Are you a Vivo Cuervo person?
1: No. Oh, oh, hell no. I don't drink Cuervo. That's, to me, one of the worst worst tequilas, to be honest.
2: Wow, dude. Yeah, that's like the yeah. only one I know about. Uh, I'm anonymous with it.
1: Pretty shit quality. It's like drinking, uh, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a shitty shitty whiskey jack it's not even on the level of like a jack daniels and people probably wouldn't expect you know that's it's okay how about uh what's that one johnny jim beam it's like a jim beam (laughs)
2: level of quality i would say i I sadly have a jim beam vanilla in my basement right now i'm not proud of it but you know what yeah i know i just uh, it's not great shit not great you know i'm not proud of i it. can't even imagine how bad that is yeah whatever you know you put it in the cup <laughs> it's okay we're in quarantine
1: <laughs> yeah, if you throw some soda and ice in it i'm sure it's fine but holy shit jim beam yeah. vanilla it's
2: a mixer of jace basically
1: <sighs> all right well teach each his own teach each his own nick but let's dive into some giants news and football talk uh i think that's what people are here for. i don't know maybe they like the little quarantine update but who knows but As far as the Giants go, not too much since the draft. There's been some news, though, and there's obviously been the schedule release. So we want to dive into all that today and talk a little bit about our expectations moving forward for this franchise. What's the first thing that you want to catch us up on, though, Nick? Because there has been a little bit of news since we last spoke.
2: I think the main thing outside of the schedule release, which we'll get into later, is the fact that Dave Gettleman and the Giants picked up the fifth-year option of Evan Ingram and Jabril Peppers. Now we we've, yeah. we've gone back and forth on this Dan and uh, all the people listening on the podcast they've talked about it too, you know, what's going to happen with this? Are they going to pick these guys up? Evan Ingram is always uh injured. Jabril Peppers, what are you going to do? You just drafted a safety. Are you is that going to be the replacement for Peppers? Doesn't seem like that. Seems like there's going to be a lot of three safety looks which we did expect. But this gives us to gives the giants more flexibility in the future cuz these guys can have they have another year of control under them at a low cap i mean they're like 6 6 million a year that's for both essentially i think pepper's might be a little bit more than evan ingram that's very reasonable so i mean i'm glad that they picked both of them up i think they were kind of no-brainers for uh, for the giants yeah
1: i'm a bit surprised that some fans i guess don't think these were no-brainers some fans uh, from what i've seen Believe that maybe this wasn't the best idea. Uh, for me, it's an absolute no-brainer from a from multiple uh, for multiple factors. For starters, the Giants are going to have around 55 million in cap space next year, and that's before they recoup about 14 million for cutting Nate Solder. So that's number is going to be closer to you know 65, 70 million in cap space. Actually, it's going to be about 70 million cap space. Another six can come if they maybe let's say move on from a Golden Tate, but the Solder thing seems like a lock. So with that kind of cap space. For these kind of $9 million decisions, $8 million decisions for players like Jabril Peppers and Evan Ingram are no-brainers because if either breaks out in 2020 in this new system that they're both going to be in, well, then you just made a massive mistake by not picking up those options. And what do you gain from not picking up those options when you have this much salary cap space? I'm failing to see anything. I mean, for from Ingram's standpoint, there's a little more to gain just based on the lengthy injury history. Peppers hasn't doesn't does not have the same kind of injury history for Ingram. I can someone understand it just because of the injury factor. You don't want to guarantee money for a player who, um, you know, maybe uh, suffers some kind of bad injury at the end of 2020. But all these things are are, are really you, 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 they're very luck based, in my opinion. I still believe I'm still very injury agnostic. I still think there's beyond a non-zero chance that in 2020 Evan Ingram plays all 16 games and I know if you think that's crazy you could come to me and we can make a bet you can set the odds I won't give you one-to-one odds but I'll give you damn close to one-to-one odds uh that something like this happens it's a it's very easy for me to see him playing 16 games so again two players that I think we both feel can kind of. Tap into more of their potential in 2020, really in any system, but certainly in a new system that's going to kind of feature them, especially Ingram, we believe will certainly be featured more featured in Jason Garrett's offense. So for me, I'm with you here, Nick, just no brainer moves.
2: I mean, look at the Tennessee Titans this past year. They did not pick up the option of Jack Conklin last year. And what happened, Jack Conklin balled out. He was healthy, and he was one of the best right tackles in football. And Tennessee was like, well, I can't have him under control again. So what did they have to do? They had to reach and draft Isaiah Wilson in the first round because they're in a win-now window with Ryan Tannehill. And so to me, I look at it again, especially when you, you know, as you alluded to, the fact the Giants are going to have a lot of cap space next year. So why not take these little risks if you want to call them because Evan Ingram's an And when you look at Jabril, too, Jabril was so misused in Greg Williams' system with the Browns playing like 30 yards off the ball. He's much more of that box alley defender, somebody who could be the alley defender and someone who could play even linebacker at times as like the money in the Alabama system as they would constitute it. So Patrick Graham runs a lot of those three safety sets. He loves those linebackers who are kind of or those safeties who are hybrid linebackers, people who can kind of be those second-level defenders and roam around behind the line or scrimmage on those third-to-intermediate and deep uh, plays. And Jabril can do that. Xavier McKinney can do that. Julian Love can do that. So now you have such flexibility on which one of those guys is going to blitz, which one of those guys is going to bail back into a deep third or bail into some other kind of coverage. It just gives the team such a— This gives really Patrick Graham— such a level of flexibility that they did not have. There's going to be a totally different defensive system than what we saw last year with James Boettcher. So we're going to maybe even see him used in a slightly different role. So I'm excited for that when it comes to Jarrell Peppers. I just don't see why the Giants wouldn't have picked up these two options given everything that kind of goes into it. Again, the injury with Evan Ingram, I get it. But this kid is going to be a special player if he can stay healthy, which realistically can happen.
1: Yeah, and again, like you said, with the defensive system coming in, we expect we'll be playing multiple, multiple, multiple sub-packages that feature three safeties where all three safeties are going to be needed to do different things and utilize in different ways. A prospect like Jabril Peppers at a position that's very hard to find. And remember, he had a lot of success before he came to the Giants in deep high safety, in single high looks and just deep safety looks. And he even had some set success there with the Giants. He can do that. Drew Peppers does not need to be kind of pigeonholed into this more money backer role that we saw a lot of of him uh, under James Vetter. And I don't think he will be. I think we're going to see him used in a lot of ways. To me, he's still a very, very, very exciting defensive prospect that's perfect for the new age NFL, no matter that, that you know, in the sense that he can be used in a lot of ways and is an incredible athlete with some skills, a lot of skills that you see from some of the better safeties in the NFL. Remember, this is a guy who finished uh, from week nine on in 2018 with the Browns. as one of the highest graded safeties, according to Pro Football Focus. Obviously, he had a bit of a rocky year with the Giants, was asked to do a shit ton and was injured for some of the year. But again, a prospect who I think we're both excited about moving forward
2: he also just has that toughness that you want to see yes. And you know Joe Judge is going to want his players to possess that toughness because how many times did you see him just calm down and just stick a running back and it's like ooh like it even hurt me watching him <laughs> yeah. do it he's such a physical player when it comes to uh, run support and run defense and I love those aspects and he's not inept in coverage or anything like that so young player very good athlete could do multiple things why not and then Evan Ingram I mean his uh, rookie season he played in 15 games had 64 catches 722 yards, six touchdowns, and I could argue, we could argue, and we don't know the injury history before he was out, but with Pat Shermer, I don't know if Pat Shermer really utilized Evan Ingram in the way that you would expect him to be utilized given his skill set, which is ironic now because they just drafted Albert O with the Broncos and they have no offense, so I wonder how he's going to use them up the scene. but I would have liked to see Evan Ingram use more in the vertical passing game, and we thought maybe it could be attributed to an injury that we were unaware of but maybe just Pat Shermer just didn't get the most out of his weapons, which is something that we criticized him for. So now you bring in Jason Garrett, somebody who has an extensive history of getting a lot out of tight ends, which he did with Jason Witten. Even when we're going back to when he was the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys before he was the head coach. So I just think Evan Ingram in that system as a healthy player, I mean, that's going to be somebody that you could probably get in fantasy drafts, you know, a little bit later. And then he could really help you win a championship. That kind of that kind of impact.
1: Yeah, but you know what, Nick? Fantasy football players have been saying that about Evan Ingram for the past three years. So yeah, but we're we're, talk, we're talking
2: we're talking about the coaching, so. though. We're talking about the coaching yeah. and the use yeah. at this point. No, for sure,
1: for sure. It's just going to be tough, I think, for fantasy players to come back around on him, be, given all the injuries. But I totally i am on the same page as you. You know where I stand on injuries.
2: Oh yeah, but what about OJ Howard when it comes to fantasy owners? Ooh, jeez, oh, mur- mur- murder, Um
1: <laughs> There you go. There's, there's a good running joke with my friend Kevin Appenzeller, who's a listener of the podcast, and he's in our fantasy league about O.J. Howard because last year I needed a tight end so desperately in fantasy, and Kevin already had two awesome tight ends on his roster, Zach Ertz and one other, and then he outbid me in blind free agency by, by a few bucks for O.J. Howard. I was f- furious at him that we'd add a third tight end to his roster tight end is literally the hardest position to, to field in season at in fantasy furious but it, it i got the last laugh in that one because oj howard ends up being a total bust and kevin started him one week i think and he had like under three points or something
2: <laughs> dude i i miss fantasy football but it's one of the one of the more frustrating things there is but it's a it's definitely a love hate thing but yeah, yeah that...
1: it's it's 80 making you miserable and then that 20 percent that makes you awesome those rare years it makes it all worth it
2: Honestly, dude, uh, I could win a fantasy league and I still don't even get that much enjoyment out of it. Like, uh, it, it just its like, <laughs>
1: it is true, though. The pain is so much weighs so much more heavily than the joy. It's one most 100 percent true thing about fantasy. It's way more frustrating than it is rewarding.
2: I have no idea why I play it, but I'll never not play it. So it's just the way it is.
1: There's not even a shot. I won't play it. Um, But one, one shout out to Arlie, because not only are we an auction, but we're a super flex. So. Uh, hot take, oh, okay. strong take. I won't come off this hill if you're not playing auction and you're not playing super flex in your fantasy football leagues. You're playing Madden on rookie level. So, okay,
2: okay. I will see. I'm an auction, so maybe I'm Madden on a uh, on rookie. Yeah, no, level. no. As but- long
1: as you jump into auction, you're Madden. Madden on all on the one before like elite all pro. But to get to elite all pro, you also have to make the quarterback position valuable by going to super flex or two QB. Oh
2: yeah, I'm all I'm all super flex, dude. In my main league. But again, this is the Giants podcast, not a fantasy. I guarantee we could probably hold a fantasy football
1: uh, podcast. It'd be be better than half the more than 80 percent of what I see out there in fantasy football. I mean, to be fair, though, I did write about fantasy football for seven years. I
2: never wrote about it, but I've always been somebody who's paid such close attention to the game. I'll I'll say the fantasy footballers are pretty good, though. Those guys are pretty good. I don't know if you like those guys are pretty solid. Anyway, back to the Giants. Just to give
1: you guys a little one more before, as we put a bow on this Evan Ingram, Jabril Bepper situation just to give you a little perspective here. The giants are have so few like veterans signed on into their future. They're so well built with all the, this is just a, such a young team with rookie players, young players on cheap contracts that, their 12th biggest cap hit next year is going to be Levine Toilolo, and that's $3 million cap hit. So the $12.7 million combined, and that's what it is for Peppers and Ingram to pick up these options, it's just a drop in the bucket, an absolute drop in the bucket. So don't fret. Don't worry about either contract. They're basically under contract, in my opinion, for free in 2020. That one, that's really how I'm looking at it. Those cap hits are so small. So. For sure, I think it was the right move. How about a, an interesting move that happened recently? The Giants' decision to bring, to sign Cooper Rush, the quarterback with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, learned under Jason Garrett, definitely a Jason Garrett favorite, but also a guy that was super, super buzzy the last couple off seasons with the Cowboys. Cowboys fans love what they saw from him in preseason, kind of that, a little bit of a new age type quarterback. Kind of reminds me of like a Kyle Lolettal with a little bit more athleticism. Cooper Rush, that's kind of what I feel when I watch him. Um, What are your thoughts on that decision to bring in Rush? Do you think there's an actual possibility he can beat out Tanny or even Colt McCoy uh, for a number two job, or maybe they keep three on the roster? Where are you at really with Rush?
2: Since there's, what, 55 active? game day players now I can see them carrying three quarterbacks especially since this is going to be a new system with Joe Judge so I think Cooper Rush really has a realistic shot to hit this because A he has rapport with the offensive coordinator B he knows this offense at least okay we had Kellen Moore's offense but I mean it had Jason Garrett's fingerprints all over it down there in Dallas so now you're bringing in somebody who comprehends that lingo that terminology and he can help Daniel Jones kind of learn and develop because he already has a firm grasp of it I think that is an invaluable thing for a young quarterback especially a young quarterback who is going into his second system in two years. So I think Cooper Rush has a realistic, uh, realistic chance to make this roster at the expense of Colt McCoy or Alex Tanny. Yeah, I think you're you're onto something there because. Remember the Alex Tanny
1: stuff. Yeah, it's good. He helped them. You know, he's a good mentor in the, in the film room. They say for Daniel Jones, I actually thought he was pretty interesting in the preseason. He had a little more uh, live, he had a little bit more of a live arm than I think people give him credit for. And, and just really was decisive in getting the ball out and on time it felt like, so he's not a total schlub dependent regardless of the fact that, you know, he's, he's on the older side. I think he's 32. He's been, you know, never really played much in the NFL, but it doesn't really matter when you bring in a new system like this with a new, coach and jason garrett there's a really good chance someone like cooper rush who a is going to have the benefit of knowing the system and knowing the terminology to really look way 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 more on point when they finally do get to the practice field whenever the hell that is the longer it goes the better chance i think cooper rush has to make the roster because of this mere fact and while i would love them personally to just say goodbye to both rush and tanny and just carry two quarterbacks so they can Honestly, use that last roster position for a development offensive lineman. Hell, I'd love to if my if I'm have the option of keeping a third quarterback on the roster for no, you know, with, in my opinion, no long term upside. And that's kind of where I feel with Tanny or Cooper Rush. No offense, Rush. No offense, Tanny. Um, but my options are to keep a, a minimal, a, a very very small chance lottery ticket like those quarterbacks, or keep an offensive lineman I can develop an extra one. Sure, they're going to keep a lot anyway. But how about an extra one? Why not? Give him a shot, put him, put him on the roster, let him practice. Let him, you know, if he maybe needs to play due to injuries, crazy things happen. He comes in at that center position if it's like the last couple seasons with the multiple injuries at that position bang maybe you got a hit there and you never knew it but you're never going to get that in my opinion with Danny or rush so we'll see what happens but that's kind of where i stand with it
2: and we all know it's just it's a wild time with covid going on and all this training camp otas all the time that daniel jones would normally have to comprehend jason garrett's system is shortened it's a truncated offseason so that just makes cooper rush that much more valuable so i think carrying three quarterbacks dude Especially since you have two more roster spots, that might be the path, the the go-to thing. Especially if they think Tanny or Colt McCoy is that much better of a quarterback than Cooper Rush. And Rush is more there as a teacher. Sure. So it could get very interesting when it comes to uh to that. And it also depends on what's going to actually happen with this. NFL preseason and training camp and all that other crap yes.
1: yeah I know we were really supposed to report on the preseason we were looking out for it usually a big post for us on CBS it hits hits well with the SEO stuff but you know that there's no such thing as a preseason schedule right now there ain't anything confirmed why the hell would anything be confirmed in early August right now
2: it's yeah we don't even know especially where we are up here in New Jersey New York sure. we're probably gonna be the last area to get back to normal Guys, looking to last longer? and Go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster you can take them anytime day or night even on a full stomach plus you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line blue Chew's online physician is free of cost and once approved your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Get it and enjoy. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino, to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem! BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, American Idol, Big Brother, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BlueWire to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right. What else? What else we need to get caught up on? Giant news. This isn't exactly Giants news, but it has to do with Cooper Rush and it's Andy Dalton going to the Cowboys, bro.
1: Oh, that one stings for me. That's a tough one for me because I'm a Andy Dalton believer. I As am I.
2: Think,
1: yeah. I don't think he's unreal. I think he's going to – I think he's without a doubt one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And all the Cowboys had to do to get him was use a little bit of salary cap space that they're never going to need or use anyway. So it's just – it's tough. It's tough. Like if I, if I could do it over, I would restructure some of these contracts, kick a little bit of the cap can down the road with Barry, Martinez, whatever, and – use a use that extra four or five million for this year to get him instead of colt mccoy now that doesn't mean i i you know I, it's a crazy thought because right because it's like the it thought is because I, I, the, the, the only concern is that it's a little bit different in dallas with Dak because it's not there's not the pressure of if, if daniel jones struggles will people say put in dalton yeah. that's an issue and you don't want to do it from that standpoint but I, I i don't think you know i think daniel jones is strong enough mentally I think the giants are strong enough mentally to know there's really no point to put in Dalton unless they, unless say, you know, they're a forward forward t- type team that somehow takes a huge jump on everywhere, but quarterback and Jones is holding them back. But that obviously wasn't the case in 2019 for anyone who actually watched the tape. If you think Daniel Jones held that team back in 2019, you were not watching enough of the giants. You really were not. Um, and it won't be the case in 2020, I don't think. I don't see any real way he gets a little worse. I, I am a little concerned with him trying to pick up a new system. I kind of – it's it's crazy to say, and it's not – there's no possible world for it, but I wouldn't have hated Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator. This is not a reality, so let's make that clear, Nick. But yeah. I, think in a, I think if somehow, in a hypothetical situation, Pat Shermer was still the offensive coordinator for 2020, and Joe Judge was the head coach, and all Pat Shermer did was coordinate the offense – the Giants might be a little bit, or I'm sorry, Daniel Jones might be a little bit better of a football player. I don't know if the Giants would, because you'd still get the Shermer second and 10 runs, you still get all the inside zone garbage on the offensive line. And, you know, not all that, but Daniel Jones, Pat Shermer, Pat Shermer did a lot to help Daniel Jones last year. I just want to be clear about
2: that. Pat Shermer did a whole lot to help Daniel Jones last year. Pat Shermer's rapport with quarterbacks goes back pretty damn far. I mean, he got the most out of Case Keenum. I mean, he's been really good with quarterbacks and. And that was the case for Daniel Jones just as a play caller and as a head coach. He didn't exactly—wasn't on top of everything. It seemed like he was in over his head. But another thing I wanted to touch on with Andy Dalton, I think that was—Dalton wanted to go to Dallas, man. I mean, Dalton just went wants to— He t-
1: get home, Yeah,
2: Yeah, he went to TCU. He has a house in that area. So I think that it was one of those perfect marriages because a lot of us thought, like, just on the outside, oh, Andy Dalton would go to a team like the Jaguars or a team with kind of an uncertain quarterback uh, situation so he can step in and possibly start— didn't happen. Goes to Dallas, and who knows? Dak could get hurt. Who knows what's going on with his contract situation. But all I know is Andy Dalton is a damn good backup to have. And uh, of course, it's in a with our division rival. But is what it is at this point yeah, no doubt. and
1: it'll be interesting that well, this is a topic for a long conversation, but i will I am a little bit interested to see Jones outside of the system because that those half field reads really did seem to simplify things for Jones a lot and it was very it looked like he was a very decisive quarterback, but it wasn't it was decisive in, in to an extent of he really wasn't asked to do you feel like it's hard to say I don't want to dive too far into this until we we really dig deep on a Daniel Jones podcast, but, I, I'm definitely a little concerned, I'll just say, transferring over to a system with absolutely really no practice time and no time to install.
2: Like
1: a yeah.
2: 100%, man. I mean, you got to think about it. It's just, he has to learn a whole new language, yeah. a whole new terminology. Everything is different from the play calling to what's going on in front of him. And it's just – I mean, he still has to make his you know, pre-snap reads, post-snap reads, so all that should be similar. But the plays that he's going to be running and the type of offense that he's going to be mastering or at least attempting to master – is totally different they're like i think fans and sometimes everybody can be guilty of this just like the change in even like these positional coaches which we talk right. about on this podcast is huge now he had a coordinator change that is gigantic i wouldn't like i'm curious on like so i look around to like the vikings and teams like that who lost kevin Stefanski. what's that offense gonna look like like it's easy to think like okay the next it's the next man up but without a great mind like kevin Stefanski, what's that offense gonna be like like yes. those th- those kind of things in the nfl are huge and you could see teams take significant steps back when when a coordinator step away there, are, sometimes they take steps up. If something like Pat Shermer left and then Kevin Stefanski stepped up and the Vikings were still able to be solid. And it's just, I don't know that those positional coaches and coordinators mean so much more than I think the average fan gives credit to.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And we'll have to see, you know, where, where this whole thing goes, Um, but uh, definitely something I'll be interested in moving forward.
2: Nick, what what else is on the Giants news front here? What else we got? Let's see. Well, I mean, we had a a former great giant receiver, a former giant receiver who had a total of 18 receptions for 154 yards come out and criticize the organization. That's Brandon Marshall, who was on Colin Coward's show. And I don't so I want to give it this justice. I don't know the question that Coward asked Brandon Marshall. but Brandon Marshall essentially came out and just said that the Giants aren't the organization that we all think they are. They're not this well-run organization. They look for specific types of people, and they're very, very, quote-unquote, old school. So, yeah, I just thought it was uh, interesting to see somebody who uh, was on the team kind of came out and kind of threw shots at the Giants' direction.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to me. I think it's funny because what can be looked at as a criticism in Brandon Marshall's uh, point of view here would be looked at as a positive for the Patriots because the Patriots are very similar in that way, and so are the Steelers. Um, a lot of these teams really want a certain type of person, not just a certain type of football player. And I think honestly, the Giants got a little bit away from that with some of their recent players. And I think that has a lot to do with why things have changed. For example, Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham Jr. And Collins, there's a, I mean, you know, I don't want to dig too deep into any of these Eli Apple, you know, they went a little bit away and how about Eric Flowers, the guy who pushes a reporter when he doesn't like a question he hears from him, and doesn't really improve by working on his craft at all? Similar to how immature Apple was. So these, I, I want to take, I want to, by the way, quickly omit Landon Collins' name from that. He didn't deserve to be dropped into that bucket. Uh, so I'm taking that one back. But as far as the other guys go, Apple,
2: Apple, Flowers, Marshall. <laughs> Dude, do you button. remember? Do you remember Apple's comment to the media when he got asked a question he didn't like? <laughs> No, it would depend. There were so many <laughs> weird moments. He just literally looked at the he looked at the reporters and I got to take a shit and walked
1: away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, just you think of the clown show that it's been with, the, with that with that roster that Gettleman really just cleared the hell out of. Gettleman doesn't get credit for clearing the hell out of Reese's roster, but we're talking about Apple, who you just mentioned. That was only one of his issues. There was also the time he blew up on a positional coach in practice, and it went to the media. We're talking about Beckham. I mean, I know Beckham has his fanboys, but <laughs> that guy was a handful to say the least. We're talking about Janoris Jenkins, who referred to a fan on Twitter as retarded. I mean, it, it it's crazy, the clown show, every single one. It, that doesn't even end. I mean, Janoris Jenkins, one offseason ago, a dead body was found in the guy's house. Like, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? It's crazy. And, you know, maybe Brandon Marshall is more along the lines, if it's a new age of football, you got to appeal to millennials. you got to let them run amok. But we'll see. I haven't really seen that work. It seems like the same teams are winning over and over. The Patriots, the Steelers, the Ravens, the teams that don't really have that going on for them and it, by any means. I mean, the 49ers, not really either. It's just I'm thinking of teams that have been making runs. I mean, the Chiefs are what the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are probably a little more relaxed there. But it's it's nice and easy when you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's just, we're talking about it's probably the best coordinator-quarterback combo in the last 25, 35. How long? I mean, as far as you may not – even if you don't want to call Mahomes the best quarterback, you have to say as far as quarterback, coach, uh, offensive coordinator combo goes, when's the last time we've seen this? It's like since basically the Walsh days, right?
2: Yeah. And another another thing that was uh, – yeah, I would definitely say that, by the way. But another thing that was funny, uh, Colin asked Brandon about uh, the Jets, and he actually said that they were a really well-run organization. <laughs> so nice. it's All just right. – uh, that's the validity Can we, we need we, yeah, we
1: see where things are at there. Funny Brandon Marshall story. That was like the biggest um, to talk myself into So, on record, one of my um, I'll start with one of my better calls, which was on record. There's an article out there of twenty four seven in January, like sixth. Really the, the the prior season was going on and I basically made this long four thousand word case about why the Giants should prioritize and make sure they sign Andrew Whitworth in and free agency. Anyway, it was Jerry Reese. Um so instead of doing that he decided he trot forward for his final year with Eric Flowers at one tackle spot and Bobby Hart at the other. Um, so didn't even pursue Whitworth who later said he wanted to go to the Giants and would have signed there, never got even a a call, instead use that cap space, uh, a little bit less, but use that cap space to sign Brandon Marshall. So I end up talking myself into this Marshall pick, like, oh, he's awesome. You know, he's the perfect fit for Eli Manning, everything like that. He's a big body receiver. He was great with the Jets. The injuries slowed him down. Don't worry about any off-field shit, any of that. He
2: comes to the Giants. He's just
1: a total bust,
2: total bust. Yeah, and he ended up getting injured in, in in his defense, but it wasn't working out. Like if you watch those first five games that he played, no in, there was no rapport whatsoever. There were a lot of drop passes. There were a lot of uh, misguided routes. Uh, didn't seem like they were on the same page. And uh, then you thought maybe he was starting to come around. And I, I can't remember the exact injury. Uh, it might have been a broken foot, or I, I really don't remember the yeah. exact injury. But he was he was done for the whole season. Then we never saw him again. So like yep. his time with New York Giants was very very limited.
1: Yep. No doubt about it. All right, Nick, any other news
2: before we dive into a little schedule analysis? Uh, No, no. We'll do a UDFA pod probably a little bit later, so we're not going to dive too far into them. But that podcast is coming. It'll be really great. So I say we just dump right into the uh, schedule right here.
1: Yeah, let's go right into it. So let's start with the biggest surprise. It's not Dallas in week one. Um, Obviously, that wasn't the case. It's not the case every year, but it feels like it's the case every year. But this is a really surprising week one game, I think, for the Giants. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. At home, MetLife Stadium, Monday night football. The Giants have been a team that's picked in the top six the last three years, but, you know, it's the New York football Giants, so it doesn't even matter. And so they get that primetime Monday night game at home. It's a tough spot, I think, for me. Uh, A lot of Giants fans are a little bit more optimistic about this specific game than I am. Um, Where do you stand here? My biggest concern here is Daniel Jones against the Steelers defense. I really feel good about the Steelers defense. I think they are— Going to take that step forward uh, to become one of the NFL's elite this year with Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick making the big jumps there to kind of aid the rest of that talent that's been, you know, developed and and, and obviously productive. Where do you stand for this matchup?
2: I mean, I can't say that I am ah uh, uh, really excited for it either because that Steelers defense almost led a Mason Rudolph quarterback team to the playoffs. So they're <laughs> and, very, uh, yeah, they're a very talented defense. They know how to get after the quarterback and they have good pass rushers. Bud Dupree's come back. I want to say for this season they obviously have TJ Watt and they know how to scheme pressure as well and you have you know a new an offensive line with new offensive line coach so they have new offensive line terminology. You have Daniel Jones with a whole new offense to learn and it's a primetime game. It's the first primetime game because remember for week one has two Monday night football games. So it's the first primetime game on Monday night. It, it's going to be a tough spot. And honestly, the beginning of the schedule is, is going to be quite tough for the Giants. But I can't say I'm too, too in love with it. I mean, I guess we're going to see Ben Roethlisberger back, which is obviously not good. I would much rather see Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph. I'd feel a lot better if it was that, especially for our defense learning uh, Patrick Graham system. And I'm not saying this is going to happen with the New York Giants, but it took the Dolphins a while to learn that system. They were really bad. I mean, we we all remember the Ravens week one last year, just absolutely dominating. But the Ravens were, you know, kind of an anomaly team. But it took the Dolphins kind of a while to gel on the defensive side of the football. Their talent was a lot worse than the Giants' talent is. I'm just hoping that—and usually you see, like, defense, new defensive coordinator kind of takes a little bit for the defense to adjust because that CBA that was passed back in, like, 2011, there's not as much practice time uh, in training camp and stuff like that. Now we have no idea what's going to happen with that, with COVID. So, you know, the Steelers have that same coaching staff coming back and they're very, very talented defense. It's, uh, it's a little concerning for sure.
1: Yeah. That was probably the most interesting note of the schedule. Um, what else stood out to me was three to- primetime games for the giants. Um, Two back to back. So in week seven, they're going to hit the road for that short week. Luckily, at least it's after the Redskins, who's like obviously the easiest team on their schedule, in my opinion. And the Redskins aren't going to be total slouches with that defensive line, but I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. The Redskins, I think they'll have. Uh, that one, two, three, or four as their pick next year. I just think that offense is an absolute disaster. They didn't do anything to address the offensive line this offseason. And, you know, you, you look at the blueprint for how is a team going to fail next season? Uh, it's the team that had one of the worst offensive lines, then didn't do anything to address it. Um, so, and I'm not a big, huge Dwayne Haskins guy, so we'll see what happens there. But, they go on a short rest after that um, week seven to to Philadelphia to play the Eagles on Thursday night. It just seems like this is a disaster waiting to happen. The Giants have s- struggled so much to defeat the Philadelphia Eagles anywhere. Um, they finally caught a little bit of, I won't say fire, but a little bit of like intrigue against the Eagles last year. They almost beat him with Eli Manning um, should have won that game. And then back end of the season with Daniel Jones, again, really should have won and almost beat Carson Wentz in the Eagles. So Maybe they'll they'll turn that one around, but then it's interesting. Right after that, they get a nice ten day rest to host Tom Brady, oh, yeah. Tommy, Tommy Brady and the Bucks at home um, on on Monday Night Football. So I thought that was definitely the most intriguing thing about about the, the rest of the schedule. What else do you see uh, before we go into maybe t- toughest stretch of the schedule? What else do you see as like intriguing notes from their schedule? Yeah.
2: So week five. They have to go to Dallas, right? And that's whatever. But from week six all the way up until their bye week, they play the Redskins and the Eagles twice. So their bye week is week 11. So from week six to week 10, they have the Redskins and Eagles twice with the Buccaneers splitting that defense, like we said. So those four division games in that little span of the schedule, you don't always see that. That's that's a lot of high leverage games in a shorter amount of time. Usually you see it spread out. You might play, you know, the Cowboys week one and then the Cowboys week 10 or something like that with like the Redskins and the Eagles mixed in between and then the Redskins and the Eagles towards the end of the schedule. But this, it's it's pretty condensed and I don't remember seeing a schedule quite like this for the New York Giants. But uh, yeah, so I mean you got week six, you're you you're host of the Redskins, week seven, you're at the Eagles and then you... Have, then you're hosting the Buccaneers and then you're at the Redskins and then the Eagles are coming to you and then you're at bye. I just think that's a, those games are going to be incredibly important and it's, uh, you know, right there in the meat of the schedule.
1: Yeah, you're right. And I think one of the more interesting things I, thought is recently the Giants have kind of been lucky with it. Lucky, you might say, or maybe John Merrick kind of has a little bit of an in there with the committee, but to get those, uh, they've really had a lot of week eight, week nine, week seven buys, which is the perfect time you want the buy week in the past few years. Now they're at week 11, which is still good. It's still better than week five, six, four, you know, that's the worst time to have the buy, but it's interesting because that week 11 buy really puts them in a spot where they could recharge if they're, if they're a little bit better than people expect at that point, they can recharge regroup, get together, and then they have a nice six-game stretch trying to make a push for a playoff spot that starts with the Bengals on the road. Very winnable game at Seahawks. Not an easy game, but then the Cardinals, the Browns, obviously at the Ravens, not easy. But if they can come out of that first five grouping at three and two, they might be in a position with themselves after a 3 and 2 roll there to have that final week 17 game hosting the Cowboys as a potential win and in game for the playoff wild card spot something like that maybe even you know the NFC East if the Giants really hit the high end of their projection next season um and the East is similar to how it's been with, you know a 9 and 7 10 and 6 winner but I think it'll be really interesting after that bye week to see what they can do in that first 5 week stretch and then maybe position themselves for a big week 17 game with with something on the line against the Cowboys
2: yeah, that would be ideal, man, just to be in contention that late. And you're right. it's uh, it, it could be a competitive division. I think I'm not – see, the thing that I'm really concerned with is this first, I would say, five games. Mm-hmm. Hosting the Steelers. Yep. Then you got to go up to Chicago. That's never an easy game. You don't even know who their starting quarterback is going to be. It could be Nick Foles or Stinky Mitch. We're not sure. And then you got to host the 49ers. Now, the one thing I like about that is obviously the 49ers are a much superior roster and superior team than the New York Giants right now. But – This is a West Coast team traveling to the East Coast for a one o'clock start. You've seen this and I've seen this in the past just being like really with with fantasy football and things like that. You'll see some of these letdown games because it's just a different body adjustment. Your your body's on a different clock and you'll see a team like the Niners come and play the Giants and have either a competitive game and then pull it out or even flat out lose. So that's one warm and fuzzy I get but still the Niners. The Niners and the Niners. And then you gotta go to the Rams and to the Cowboys. Dude, the Giants realistically could be, you know, one and four by the end of that.
1: O and five is in play as well.
2: O and five is in play. So like we as Giants fans, we should be mentally kind of prepared and ready for that because that is a that is a murderous row right there.
1: It's a murderous row. And you know, it's weird when I look at this. I almost feel like 49ers is, is somehow maybe the most winnable game, which is crazy. Maybe that are Rams. I'm a little worried about that at Bears. You would think that's the most winnable one. But I, 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 in, in Chicago, I really think Nick Foles is going to massively upgrade that offense. That's how bad I think Trubisky really was. And I don't even think Foles is good really at all, but I think he's a nice fit for Nagy, nice enough fit and a nice enough upgrade there to really help move the ball a little bit more. And you look at that game against the Bears last year. The Giants lost in Chicago with Daniel Jones. Um one, the Bears didn't have Robert Quinn, who they paid $80 million to rush the passer for this offseason. Two, the Giants, you know, were kind of in that game. Not really. And it was against Mitch Trubisky. So I'm a little concerned about that one. The Niners, like you said, playing on that 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 off-body clock, maybe taking the Giants for granted because the Giants are not a team on their caliber, or at least wasn't last year. That one to me feels like a potential upset spot. They're going to need to hit one or two of those games because they can't get this thing started out 0-3 because you know you're going to roll in. Yeah, you lose so much momentum, and then it almost feels like the season's over when you don't win those games early. It's so crazy, mentally speaking, how important it is to not lose the first three games of a schedule. Because you know, if you look at uh, other teams or other schedules or other scenarios, losing three games in the middle of the season, people don't bat an eye on. You know, it's not good. People are going through a bad stretch, but they feel you feel like you can recover. You lose the first three games of the season, it almost feels unrecoverable at times.
2: It definitely does, and it, again, this is a new coaching staff, and we have everything going on with COVID, and it, 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 it's not going to be a normal routine whatsoever. It's going to also be something working against the Giants when they go up against experienced coaching staffs like the Steelers, the Bears, the Niners, the Rams. So, and then you got the Cowboys with a new coach. Obviously, so I, you know, there's, there's concern there.
1: Yeah, you know what I hate, Nick. So not like important, long term means nothing. It's like all perception thing. But I do hate that Daniel Jones has to go against the Steelers defense, which I think is going to be top three in the NFL. The Bears defense, which I think is going to be top three in the NFL with the addition of Robert Quinn. It's a short term move. I don't like how they spent so much cap space on Quinn. I'm not supporting the decision, but I know for 2020, it's going to make them a lot better. And then the Niners, the best defense in the NFL. Like that's how he starts his schedule. And he's going to have such awful games. It probably, and not probably, but it's possible that he just struggles against all three. Everyone's like, oh my God, this guy's a total bust. What are we looking at? This guy stinks. Look at the fumbles. Look at the numbers. Look at the inters. Like, okay, he's going against the three. But this is, without a doubt, the hardest first three games of a schedule for any quarterback in the nfl i am with i don't even need to look at the other schedules to know this is by far and away the toughest first three and the rams by the way another defense that's loaded up on talent and dumped assets and and cap space into it and the cowboys not like first you want to dig this thing even further you take it to the first five first six first seven games of the season it's literally the hardest schedule for any quarterback in the entire nfl
2: it's hard to kind of dispute that. It really is. And I mean, the one thing I will say, I'm trying to look at the schedule and see the long road trips. You have the Rams and you have the Seahawks. And those are like the two ones that really stick out. So at le- like, I remember there was one season. I can't remember which year it was. You might remember, Dan, that the Giants, I think they were first in uh, miles travel. Maybe the Seahawks had a oh, beat. Yeah. That was nat- like two years ago. Yep. Naturally, the Seahawks are a team that's. It's. I mean, it's kind of hard for them not to be up there. I saw a stat, man. The Ravens are the lowest in miles traveled for twenty twenty at like just north of six thousand miles. That's all they have to travel, which wow. is absolutely insane. And the Seahawks are traveling like twenty six thousand miles or something ridiculous like that. But hey, that's that's what happens when you're uh, you're located in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, shit, you got to travel to Arizona once a year, and that I want to say is like a thousand miles in and of itself, going all the way down there from Seattle. So, it's uh Stinks for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for them to say the least. But I uh, I look at the schedule, man. It, it could be a rough, it could be a very, very rough start to Joe Judge's career as a New York Giants head coach. It sucks too, because it's like, you know, the Giants finished so bad, they had the
1: sixth overall pick. And yet if you go by, and there's one way I think that you should always look at strength of schedule in the NFL, and it should never involve using the 2019 win-loss records. Literally, right. the best thing you can do here is pretty simple. You wait until the draft free agency is over wait until the draft is over, you look at the adjusted win-loss record projections according to Vegas, who knows football better than any of us, let's be honest about it, look at the damn lines, look at how good they are, look at all the freaking numbers they put into getting this thing right, and all the assets and the money they pour into that. And then you look at the win-loss records and you make projections based on that. And we had a writer for us for CBS Sports, Jared Dubin, do that. He went back and he looked at and combined all the Vegas win-loss perception, or I'm sorry, projections over-unders to come up with a strength of the schedule. And the Giants have the second hardest schedule in the entire NFL after finishing with the sixth overall pick for this draft. It's just crazy stuff. And, like, it freaking sucks, man.
2: Like, But that's what happened to them. They have the second hardest schedule. Which is funny, too, because the one from last year, the one that everyone bases it off of, is 26th hardest. So you see the disparity there. But that's – like without that, you're neglecting the fact that Tom Brady, the best quarterback ever, went to the Buccaneers to make an 8-8 and team just that much better. The progressions of teams like the Browns (laughs) with a legit coaching staff and not Freddie Kitchens, no knocking Kitchens because he's the Giants tight ends coach now. But he was in over his head out there in Cleveland. And the Cardinals obviously took huge steps forward. So even the teams that look like they are bad, quote-unquote, on the Giants schedule had made significant strides to be – better so it's it, it could be ugly it really good
1: yeah i mean i don't want to bring too much pessimism to this podcast you know we got to be a little <laughs> a little bit more optimistic nick and i'm not i still i'm still a big believer that this team can make a massive jump from what we've seen just with the influx in uh you know the influx of better coaching both in game and in preparation the influx of a, a step forward from daniel jones step forward I, from the defense which is more talented and the offensive I, line
2: i don't disagree but i would feel so much better about this if this was a normal sure Course. normal yeah all oh, these ads okay yeah but if this was a normal off season man i would feel so much better about it but it, it's not and th- every team in the nfl has to deal with that so that's just the the world that we are adjusting and living in right now but uh you know it, it, i'm just saying it, it could be it could be bad i mean i'm not, I'm not trying to be pessimistic <laughs> or anything but uh, there's a realistic shot that
1: we <laughs> call can, it like you know. it is here on the big move <laughs> <Vansurval. laughs> yes. Podcast. we're trying our best to remain optimistic at the same time though we're trying to give you the goods we're trying to keep it level headed and keep you everybody based on reality <laughs> we know you know some podcasts have a little bit of a different motivation maybe for it and we apologize we'll never be that one we're just gonna you know keep the analysis straight up keep it fair and balanced i hate to use that term because it, it's a fox news term and that <laughs> i won't even get into that Just keep it on <laughs> sports but but um we're gonna that's our goal here just give balance takes. so yeah i i think there's you know a non-zero chance a giant surprise a lot of people but we got to keep ourselves prepared for the reality of a 2020 season without much time to install these new systems on both sides of the ball and obviously, you know, with the second hardest schedule in the NFL.
2: Yeah, it's just wild to think that the Giants aren't playing the Cowboys until October. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, It's crazy, right? October 11th, man, in Jerry world. Hopefully the Giants can pull that one out, man. That'd be awesome.
1: All right, Nick, anything else on the schedule? Anything else on your mind you want to get off your chest?
2: Nah, not exactly. I think uh, I think we covered it pretty well. I'm just excited to uh, continue with the big things that we're gonna have coming here on this podcast. Because Dan and I, you know, we put in the work, and uh, I hope all the listeners are uh, appreciative of that. Hell yeah, enjoy it without a doubt. And we do
1: want to thank all of the listeners, both new and old. We saw an influx of about. 600 new listeners during the draft season that have stuck with us since then. We really do, really, really do appreciate that. We want to thank you for that. Um, just to give you guys an idea of what's coming up, we're going to do a UDFA podcast for sure. Uh, we're going to do a, a little more film breakdown now that me and Nick have had more time to watch these prospects more on film. We're going to for sure uh, do a little bit more on that. And we got a big interview coming up at some point. Um, let's keep an eye on that. And then we got some big plans down the line as well. That's going to dive into a little bit of a different route for the uh a little bit of different route for the big blue ba- banter podcast we'll still have the pod rolling and strong but we're going to add something to our arsenal coming up so keep an eye on all of that thank you again and just want to read out a couple more shout outs with the with the reviews really thank all of you guys for writing these reviews it, it really helps us when you guys take the time to give us that five star review but also uh rating but also review us and in addition to the download and the subscribe those four key factors that's what's really driving the new audience and, you know, driving our success here. So we really do appreciate it. We cannot do this without you guys. Just make, let's make that clear. This is nothing without you guys. So Lumby 1203 says, great podcast, funny, witty, knowledgeable, and passionate about the Giants. Um, they're both great Twitter follows as well. Thank you, Lumby. Really do appreciate that. Herbals says, crazy analytical, it's the, in the best way possible, all facts, no filler, essential podcast for any hardcore Giants fan, I would recommend for even the casual follower, so thank you there Herbals, and then Client9, who's been a long, long, long time listener to the pod, really, really do appreciate your sh- your support here, and shout out Client9, says finally a podcast for the Giants, for the thinking Giants fans, this is my favorite Giants podcast by far, created by Giants fans, for Giants fans, Dan and Nick are offer, Dan and Nick offer opinion and analysis rooted in their own film study, they show their work on on Twitter. And I find this really educational. And I become a better and more knowledgeable fan. That's exactly what our goal, what we've set out to do from the very start. We just want to create a bunch of people like Nick and I just more knowledgeable, a more knowledgeable fan base of the Giants. So we can be more, a little bit more level-headed and it could be even more enjoyable when this team finally breaks through and becomes a winning football franchise. So on that note, everybody have a great rest, rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.